It's Your Life is sponsored by James J.C. Cooley. Life is a series of circles and cycles, phrases and stages. These are your experiences that teach you the lessons of life. You can either ignore them or embrace them. Welcome to the James Cooley Show. It's Your Life. James is a motivational speaker, author, military veteran, and founder of the J.C. Cooley Foundation. James is here to equip you to strive for greatness and overcome adversity. It's time to get equipped today for the challenges of tomorrow. Now, here's the host of It's Your Life, James Cooley. Hello, welcome to It's Your Life. I'm James Cooley. And you know what? We just had a fantastic weekend. It's Monday. And... I tell you, I've been trying to figure out all weekend how we can jumpstart Monday, how we can jumpstart life, how we can jumpstart, I call it the heartbeat, because we all got one. And there is no better way to do a jumpstart by being honest. Having integrity, having ethics, having a heart, heartbeat. Sometimes we all experience things that we don't always fully accept in the beginning because it's not all about us. It's about God. It's about his plan for us. It's about what his vision is and our purpose is in life. And sometimes we get mad and we want to blame God. We want to blame everybody because it's not our way. But God always, in my opinion, provide us with inspiration, provide us with details on what we call the why and provide us with an understanding that sometimes takes us a long time to figure out. And the show that we're going to talk about today is some of the things that God plant in our heart and plant in our mind. And we call it grief. That's a bad word. And, 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 and many of, of our thoughts, grief is painful, it's hurt, it's, uh, it's just sometimes we don't understand. And I still don't understand. But it's a challenge that I deal with all the time. And the more that I trust in the Lord, the more that I believe in his plan, the more that I follow his word, the more I understand that sometimes it's necessary to teach us because we have to understand to prepare for the next generation or tomorrow. And I tell you, today I got two wonderful Absolutely wonderful young ladies that has experienced that pain, has went through grief, probably still going through grief, but, you know, they're going to share their ideas on how they handle pain, how they handle grief, and how the Lord has placed in their heart that we are all in this together and regardless of the situation and circumstances that we have to be prepared and we have to be able to share. We have to open up our heart. We have to share our ideals. We have to be able to share our thoughts with others. So we're going to talk about something that's very, very uh touchy and something that uh, most of us don't want to talk about but it's it's going to happen in our life we're going to talk about triumph over grief we're going to talk about getting into 
understanding and sharing it, we're going to talk about grief from two black women perspective. And you know what? I love these two young ladies. They are so fantastic. They are so wonderful. And I have had the opportunity to talk and meet them. And I, I just can't wait to hear uh, how they're going to help us heal our hearts today. Michelle, what do you think about these two wonderful women? I think they're amazing. I think they're, these are just amazing women and they just, you know, they just exude radiance and beauty and calmness. I just think they are amazing two young ladies. Michelle, I, 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 first of all, Noah, my great producer, are you there? Noah? Oh, uh, sorry. If I hit the right button, I can actually go on the air as a seasoned radio broadcaster. It happens from time to time. I am excited, JC, for today's show. It's a Monday, and this is definitely the right way to start this. Should be a great discussion. It's going to be a great discussion, Noah. Uh, first of all, I want Michelle to tell everybody. And by the way, if you don't know who Michelle is, she is my great co-host. <laughs> or the James Cooley show uh, nationwide or uh, this, that, I mean, whatever you might want to call it, but she inspires me. And uh, today we're going to talk about this great topic that I want to talk about. But she, can you tell our listening audience what the purpose of the show today? The purpose of the show is to understand the personal journey of two women through their stages of grief learn how to comfort and support others and yourself when you're grieving the loss of a spouse, the importance of counseling, faith, and self-reflection in healing and grieving. Michelle, uh, how I want to do this today is I want this to be a kind of like a panel mm -hmm. discussion, but uh, I want the listening audience to get a quick understanding of both of these young ladies. Can you, introduce our first guest yes marion shuck marion l shuck is vice president of governmental and external relations at gift of hope organ and tissue donor network as well as serving as the president of the association for multicultural affairs and transplantations in both roles marion specializes in building key partnerships and strengthening existing relationships with communities business leaders legislators hospitals faith-based organizations, and industry partners. Her most important role is advocating for donor families and marginalized communities while increasing opportunities for organ and tissue donation through education and outreach. You know what, Mary, uh, you've been on the show a couple of times, and uh, this is a new listening audience. Can you tell our listening audience a little bit about yourself and where you grew up? Sure. Hi, James. Hi, Michelle. Thanks for having me back again. Um, yeah, so I grew up, I actually live in Chicago, Illinois, and grew up in the suburbs of Chicago. I have um, five siblings, one is deceased, but I have um, two sisters and a brother that are living. Um, and I was married for 32 years, and um, I was little two years ago in 2019, and I have one daughter who's in college about to graduate on May 19th from NYU and uh, we adopted a puppy but yes Chicago is my hometown I love living in Chicago and um, I'm a part of the fabric of the community whether it's organ and tissue donation or just my community that I serve as well but um, yes yeah. <laughs> you, you know what Marion um you are the vice president of the governmental external relationship of gift of hope and organ and tissue donor network mm -hmm. as serving as the president of this association of multicultural and transplantation. How has both role impact, impacted your life? Well, you know, I've been at gift of hope for 12 years and you know, it's interesting because I, I help take care of families all the time, donor families. And I, I guess I just never envisioned that I was going to be a donor family. 
And when my husband passed um, two years ago, I instantly became a donor family. And when you work at Gift of Hope, you know, we deal with deceased organ donation. And that's a family no one wants to be a part of because that means you've experienced a horrific tragedy and your loved one is no longer here. But you can continue to to create a legacy for your loved ones by participating in the organ and tissue donation process. And so my husband, by being a donor, is not only do I work at Gift of Hope, but now I walk the walk that so many of my families walk every single day. You, you know, uh, that is so important. You, know, you mentioned uh, walking the walk, and that mm-hmm. family is also involved in that. And you know what? I that is so important, and I hope our listening audience caught on to that one. Uh, they will. But, you know, we're going to take a station break, but we're going to come back, and we're going to introduce Deborah. It's your life. I'm James Cooley. There's more stories of greatness to help you overcome adversity coming up on It's Your Life with James Cooley. The J.C. Cooley Foundation is a nonprofit organization that was started in October of 2014. The J.C. Cooley Foundation continues to strive to expand its programs and offerings to the youth, young adults, and citizens of our great communities nationwide and overseas. We hope that you'll be able to take part in one or more of the many exciting events that we're offering this year and experience firsthand the pride we take in supporting our cause. It's our mission to equip the youth of today for the challenges of tomorrow, and we rely heavily on the generosity of individuals and business owners for support. Without the assistance of community-minded individuals just like you, we wouldn't be able to serve our youth each year. We ask that you make a commitment to support our annual appeal by making a cash donation. This year's goal is $50,000. Your generosity will assist us in making a difference in the lives of the youth in our community. You can give online at CooleyFoundation.org. Remember that every donation makes a difference regardless of size. The J.C. Cooley Foundation thanks you in advance for your contribution. Country Boy, City Boy, a journey that ain't over yet. The true life coming of age story by James J.C. Cooley. Using humor, wit, and engaging storytelling, James paints a picture about his arrival in a rural deep south town and realization that life would never be the same. Cooley lays out his struggle to adjust from city life to country life and back again, sharing his hard-earned lessons to educate, encourage, and enlighten our next generation of leaders and heroes. Get your copy of Country Boy, City Boy, a journey that ain't over yet by James J.C. Cooley available on Amazon and everywhere books are sold. The Answer, San Diego. Streaming now on smart speakers and radio.com. It's time to dream big, think big, and be big. It's time for more It's Your Life. Here's your host, James Cooley. Welcome back to It's Your Life. I'm James Cooley, and I tell you, we got an understanding of our first guest, but... uh, I, I want to get an understanding of our next guest, but I tell you, I deliberately did not give the number away in the beginning because I want to introduce our guest first. But if you want to be part of the conversation, if you want to join in, you can call in at one eight 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 three four four eleven seventy. Again, that's one eight 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 three four eleven seventy live. Uh Michelle, can you introduce our our next guest? Yes, Deborah Braxton. Deborah Braxton was born in New York City and raised on Long Island. She currently lives in South Lake, Texas. Deborah received her BA at Dartmouth College and her MBA at Wharton Graduate School of Business. Deborah lived in Chicago, Illinois for 25 years. She was married for 24 years and widowed in 2014. Deborah has two working adult children who are both college graduates, and she has a professional career in consumer and B2B marketing and has established a fellowship at Wharton in honor of her late husband. Deborah's interests include traveling, cooking, tennis, golf, and languages. Deborah, what was it like growing up on Long Island, New York, and the years you lived in Chicago, Illinois? Uh, hi. Thanks so much for having me on the show. 
Um, growing up on Long Island was great. Um, you know, my mom and you know, traditional family, and uh, my mom and dad moved from the city to Long Island when we were very young. Um, it, me and my sister. That just there are only two of us, and uh, I think at some point we got a dog. And uh, so it was the, you know, the three of the three kids, if you want, would say that. Um, And, you know, just the five of us. But, you know, it was a typical suburban existence, Uh, you know, going to high school. My mom was a uh, guidance counselor. So that was really helpful in terms of getting into colleges and kind of planning your life out. Um, And my dad was a social worker. So very middle class family. Um, but, you know, education was always stressed. And so we all, you know, kind of found our way and went to college. And um, I decided, I think, to be more of a vagabond. So moving from city to city, place to place, as I tell people, I've probably had licenses from five different states. I've lived in California, Michigan. Uh, now I'm in Texas. I was I spent most of my you know, most of my life has been spent in Chicago, Illinois uh, area. And, um, you know, and that, and then sometimes in South Carolina. So, um, so growing up, you know, on Long Island was great. <laughs> well, you're talking to a fellow New Yorker. So it, it's, uh, I have been around Long Island a lot of times and it is a nice area. Can you tell us about your career in consumer and B2B marketing? Yeah. So I, you know, I met my, I met my late husband at Wharton. We were both graduate students of business there. And uh, so we had known each other probably since 1986, which is when that was our second year. And I got to know him better the second year. We were in a lot of classes together um, and we both were interested in marketing. And so we took a lot of marketing courses, but he took more finance courses, wound up looking at jobs and consumer marketing as well as finance and consulting. I was strictly marketing and, you know, knew I wanted to be able to sell things to people and get people to change their minds about what they were doing. So, um, so yeah, so we, so marketing turned out to be, um, you know, there's consumer marketing, which is all the brands you go into the supermarket and you buy, uh, we, and wound up working for Quaker Oats. Uh, right out of uh, right out of business school, as did my late husband, as did Alan, and um, and so we moved to Chicago together, not together together, but we moved there, uh, not thinking that you know a lot would come of this relationship, and then four years later, after school, wound up getting married. So um, you know, so the marketing track was was pretty good for me. And then later on, um, moving back to Chicago, I worked for companies which were more business to business, like Ameritech and uh, and R.R. Donnelly, and uh, companies that you probably wouldn't associate with having anything to do with marketing. You know what? That 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 that's, that's incredible. Now I want to bring both of you all on uh, because. Uh, I know that you guys are incredible. <laughs> and first of all, I, I want to ask the question is, how did you and Marion uh, become friends? It was oh. really through her, her sister. <laughs> I, think, I think that's how we met. Um, her <laughs> sister, her twin sister, and I are very good friends. And it was through her sister that we met that I think we met each other. Correct. Never knowing, you know, at that point that we'd be in the situation in terms of being widowed uh, as as early as as we we are. Um, this is for both of you. How did each of you lose your spouse? How did you, each of you lose your husband? Uh, we'll we'll start with Marion. Oh sure. Um, it was a sunny day in 2019, and my husband wasn't, anybody who knew him was an avid bike rider. Um, we biked every day, and he would bike in the winter if I would let him, but I had a threshold of 55 degrees. And um, it was June, and as you know, Chicago, our weather is uh, wishy-washy. But anyway, it turned 55 degrees, and he said, let's ride. And so we were riding on the lakefront. It was a beautiful day. He and I were talking. Um, and all of a sudden, he just sort of rode in front of me and um, fell off his bike. And uh, he suffered uh, a heart attack. And so um, we got, you know, rushed to the hospital. They did everything they could for him. 
Um, but again, like I said, I positive talk about organ donation all the time. And even though I work at Gift of Hope, at that moment, I didn't work at Gift of Hope. I was a wife. I was a mother. And so I really had to think about what was going to happen. But I knew that he had registered and he wanted to be a donor. So out of that um, came, you know, the walk to being a donor family and to being a donor wife. Deborah? Yeah, and for me, it was just the opposite. Um, as sudden as her loss was, uh, mine was more extended. So Alan was diagnosed with um, a very rare sarcoma. Uh, literally, you know, if you can talk about your life changing overnight, going to the doctor and saying, um, well, you have something that we don't understand, we think you should get to the hospital right away and we think we need to operate uh so that was the situation um just you know you first you go through shock in terms of this can't be happening to me because my life is perfect um and then you think about your children in terms of how we had to tell them where where was where where's dad going for the next couple of days um and then you go through the if and what and the not knowing from a medical standpoint was you know doubly frightening um and then you go through your mind of not highs lows but dreams deferred and plans crushed and you have to just get it together because in my case I had two relatively uh, young kids so that's that that was my situation you know you know wow it's a uh, um, two different perspectives and it's, it's two different ways of grief, I believe. Uh, talk about the differences of grief from losing through a long-term illness versus suddenly losing your spouse. Uh, so, uh, Marion, can can mm -hmm. you uh, respond to that first? Yeah, I mean, I think it's um, totally different from Deborah's in that it was over in an instant, Right. There was no, you know, my husband was healthy. <laughs> and uh, like I said, we had already ridden five miles that day. So no indication. And all of a sudden it was over in an instant. But like Deborah said, in that instant, I had to go into to go mode because I had a child who was in New York in school. And so I had to try to figure out, once we got to the hospital, how do I get her here? How does she say goodbye to her, her father? And so I think it was um, just the suddenness of it all that just really put me in a different framework and frame, you know, in, in my mind, a different mindset that I had to be go. I had to go right then and there. There was no preparation, although I was prepared eventually but I wasn't prepared in that instant to be on, you know, to be a widow and to be on right that instant. And, and uh, Deborah, what what about you? Uh, I I think it's kind of the same things I you know I said earlier. I um, you just go through this period of. Uh, at least for me, it's like you're grieving every day until the inevitable happens, right? Mm -hmm. You're just, it's just a, it's, it may not be something major. It may be something very minor that hits you and you're grieving every day. And so for me, I think when he passed away, my daughter said she was in the room with me and she said, she let out this, thank God. And it was because he had, you know, you saw this very vibrant person just debilitated and weakened and, you know, the spirit just gone. So it's a very different process. You know, it's a very and it's very 
it was very different, I think, for the two of us. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, uh, wow. I mean, uh, for our listening audience that uh, are experiencing this and that continue to experience, please listen to these young ladies. And they're going to help you get through whatever that you're getting through. But we're going to take a station break. And we're going to come back. We're going to continue to talk to Deborah and Marion. It's your life. I'm James Cooley. There's more stories of greatness to help you overcome adversity. Coming up on It's Your Life with James Cooley. The J.C. Cooley Foundation continues to strive to expand its programs and offerings to the youth, young adults, and citizens of our great communities nationwide and overseas. It's our mission to equip the youth of today for the challenges of tomorrow. We ask that you make a commitment to support our annual appeal by making a cash donation. Your generosity will assist us in making a difference in the lives of the youth in our community. You can give online at CooleyFoundation.org. The J.C. Cooley Foundation thanks you in advance for your contribution. Country Boy, City Boy, a journey that ain't over yet. The true life coming of age story by James J.C. Cooley. Using humor, wit, and engaging storytelling, James paints a picture about his arrival in a rural deep south town and realization that life would never be the same. Cooley lays out his struggle to adjust from city life to country life and back again, sharing his hard-earned lessons to educate, encourage, and enlighten our next generation of leaders and heroes. Get your copy of Country Boy, City Boy, a journey that ain't over yet by James J.C. Cooley available on Amazon and everywhere books are sold. Streaming now at TheAnswerSanDiego.com and Radio.com. It's time to dream big, think big, and be big. It's time for more It's Your Life. Here's your host, James Cooley. Welcome back to It's Your Life. I'm James Cooley, and wow, I mean, I'm sharing the stories of these two great women. And... Uh, in sharing this story, I mean, I, I understand the grief because um, my father, uh, I've been dealing with grief for the last 40 plus years because I don't know how to deal with that. And my father died from a heart attack at 45 years of age. And there was a lot of different situations and circumstances that went with that and uh, you know I mean it touched me it still touches me today on how I need to look at those things that happened in the situation leading up to uh, him dying on the pulpit my father was a minister and that's something that I have not uh, gotten over yet and you know, this is so important to me to have Marion and Deborah to share their stories. Now, even though that's different situations, circumstances, but we all feel grief. Mm-hmm. And and I, I, I do believe that uh, a lot of our listening audience that might have had a grief and not understanding I hope that you guys are getting something away from this if you want to be part of the conversation please call in 1-888-344-1170 1-888-344-1170 Mary and Deborah how did each of you process your grief um, we can start with Deborah oh. well for me I had to, because I lived with grief, I think, for two years, which was the length of his illness from the time that he was diagnosed to the time that he passed away. Um, it was it was like I wanted to just shake, shake it off. You know, I wanted to shake it off. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I was, but, but you really can't because, once again, there were children involved and they were grieving. So for me, I had to let things in very little at a time, just a little at a time. Um, You know, I I, it it was just hard. He passed away. I think it was over near Easter. So we couldn't do a service right away. And it was in between Mother's Day and 
that, you know, the church was not going to be available. So there are all these things that kind of got in the way of actually, we, it was actually a delay. We actually delayed the service, which was a good way for me, you know, in hindsight, to kind of let this seep in slowly that now he was really gone. And now I really had to deal with this. And now, you know, I had to get help and I had to help my children. So so that's initially how I did it. And then once I got, you know, and the other thing was I cried every day, as I told people. when he, I cried every day. And then one day I woke up, you know, a couple of months later, and I didn't cry anymore. And that's when I realized that, oh, I'm never, I'm not going to get over this, but I will get through this. And those were the, you know, that's kind of how I lived. I'm not going to get over it, but I will get through this. And so that was an indication to me on the other, I was on the other side when I wasn't crying every morning or every day. Marion? Yeah, for me, it was um, a little different um, in that it happened suddenly. And um, once I got my daughter here, it was sort of go time. And it was sort of, and I, I don't like to say it like that, but it was, you know, um, I had to get back to a sense of normalcy for my daughter and for myself. And then, you know, everybody was saying, oh, wait and have the service you know, in August and, you know, people be here. And I was like, no, because this is not about them. This is really about me and Malika. And so I needed to get it over with and I needed to, to sit in my grief. But I also knew that my faith is what got me through because I realized that um, it doesn't get any less easier and, and it, it doesn't get any less painful you just have to go through it and you have to sort of move forward because if you don't move forward, you'll be stuck. And unlike Deborah, I didn't, I didn't feel like I needed to talk to anybody because I had such a great village and Deborah was in that village. And I remember talking to her at two o'clock in the morning, like, what do you do? Right. How do you, how do you get through this? And so she helped me with that. And so, you know, that was, I had lots of people to talk to, but I just realized it's not going to get any easier, and it's not going to get any less painful. So don't prolong the inevitable. Just you got to walk through the fire. You take it day by yeah, day. Yeah, at some point, I think right. At some point, both of us, you know, we 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 walk through the fire at a different pace, but we still mm-hmm. had to walk through the fire. And I and and I think when I speak, you know, I've I've spoken to people about grief and how they grieve, or I've heard things. And and people just don't want to do that. They, you know, they. I mean, one of the crazy things that I did. Everyone said, "Don't make any major financial decisions. Don't <laughs> sell your house. Don't do this. Don't do that." And I think within what three or six months, Marion, I probably did all of those things <laughs> because I because I, once I got to that point, I felt mm-hmm. as if okay, I had to empower myself. I had to move. I had to move. Right. I had to move something. Right. I had to kind of get out of the space or, or, you know, it's not that I forgot about my husband or I, for, you know, mm-hmm. I no I not at all, but I think for my own preservation and for the stability and the sanity that my kids needed, I needed mm-hmm. to do that for myself in order to be better for them. So, yeah, I, you know, yeah that's kind of like where I, I knitted out. Get, yeah. I needed to get back to work mm-hmm. and it was so, so interesting because, you know, my bosses, they were like, no, you can't come back to work. You're banned from work. And I'm like, okay, I sent Malika back to NYU. And I was like, I, this is what I do. I'm good at this. I can't just sit here. I needed to keep busy. And I have a big job. So it was like, you know, I needed to get back to work. But um, Deborah is so right. It's just, you know, people tell you all these things, but ultimately, what works for you is what you decide will work for you. And don't let anybody tell you what you should do, how you should grieve. And people do it all the time. Um, and you just have to, in my opinion, you know, I think I can laugh about it now. It's just that I had to find me, right? I've been married for 32 years, never lived alone. 
um, never lived in a college dorm or anything like that. It was just me and my husband. I went from living at home with my parents to living with him. And so I had to find me and I had to understand what grief was like for me and then what life was going to be like. Like Deborah said, we had children. My daughter was in her second year of college. Um, I had to figure out now I'm a single mother. Now I'm the head of household. Now I have to provide for this child and keep her life in some semblance of what, you know, her expectations are. And Deborah and I talk about this all the time is that as black women, you have to prepare for the loss of a spouse and, and, and or you, right? Um, you have to be able to take care of your family and be able to go on. I think Deborah and I are in a, 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 a different situation than most mm-hmm. folks because they haven't prepared for this. Um, do you believe there's a high expectation that African-American women must be especially strong during a crisis? If so, why is this? Deborah? I don't, I don't, I don't know. Um, I think that I, I think there's a perception out there that we are and that we should be. Um, but once again, you know, going back to what Marion said, um, you know, everybody puts these labels on you, especially when you're grieving. Everyone's telling you what you should do, how you should do it, when you should do it. <laughs> and you just have to throw those shackles. You have to throw those things off. Because the only person who can decide what works for you is you. And that's spending, you know, it may be some alone time. It may be meditating. It may be praying. Whatever works for you. But you've got to find what centers you because you won't be happy. And and your family, you know, your immediate family, in our case, our children, would not have gotten what they needed um, had we listened to other people. Um, so, you know, I, I, that may be a bit of a fallacy. No, Deborah, I think that's great because, um, I think we, we, they do think that they do think of us to be strong. And in that instance, Deborah, I think we both had to be strong to be able to, like you said, to do the things we did. It was difficult mm-hmm. for me to put my child mm-hmm. on a plane and send her back to New York you know, the day after we had the memorial service for her her father. Most difficult thing I've ever done. But I know what my husband wanted. And he wouldn't have wanted us to be sitting here following in pity. Right. Um, and not being able to do anything. And so I had to, in that moment, move us forward. Right. You, you know, uh, just listening to both of you, I mean... It's so powerful and it's so joyful because I believe that you both understood that in times of trials and tribulations and when we got kids, that we had to be strong for them. We had to make sure that they understand that there is purpose for them as well. Even though we go through trials and tribulations uh, that, uh, you know, I'm going to put you back on this plane uh, to go back to school, even though I don't want to. Mm -hmm. But you still have uh, your destiny and you have to understand. You have to learn from this. Deborah. You, you, your daughter and your son, you, 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 you reasoned with them. You told them and you led them. And, and I, I just say that me with lack of understanding or over my upbringing, that you two women are so powerful. And wow, you guys are helping me, even though you might not know it. But we're going to take a station break and we're going to come back. And we're going to continue to have this great discussion with Deborah and Marion. It's your life. I'm James Cooley. There's more stories of greatness to help you overcome adversity. Coming up on It's Your Life with James Cooley.
The J.C. Cooley Foundation is a nonprofit organization that was started in October of 2014. The J.C. Cooley Foundation continues to strive to expand its programs and offerings to the youth, young adults, and citizens of our great communities nationwide and overseas. We hope that you'll be able to take part in one or more of the many exciting events that we're offering this year and experience firsthand the pride we take in supporting our cause. It's our mission to equip the youth of today for the challenges of tomorrow, and we rely heavily on the generosity of individuals and business owners for support. Without the assistance of community-minded individuals just like you, we wouldn't be able to serve our youth each year. We ask that you make a commitment to support our annual appeal by making a cash donation. This year's goal is $50,000. Your generosity will assist us in making a difference in the lives of the youth in our community. You can give online at CooleyFoundation.org. Remember that every donation makes a difference regardless of size. The J.C. Cooley Foundation thanks you in advance for your contribution. Country Boy, City Boy, a journey that ain't over yet. The true life coming of age story by James J.C. Cooley. Using humor, wit, and engaging storytelling, James paints a picture about his arrival in a rural deep south town and realization that life would never be the same. Cooley lays out his struggle to adjust from city life to country life and back again, sharing his hard-earned lessons to educate, encourage, and enlighten our next generation of leaders and heroes. Get your copy of Country Boy, City Boy, a journey that ain't over yet by James J.C. Cooley. Available on Amazon and everywhere books are sold. FM 96.1 North County and AM 1170 San Diego. The answer. It's time to dream big, think big, and be big. It's time for more It's Your Life. Here's your host, James Cooley. Welcome back to It's Your Life. I'm James Cooley. And, you know, these two young ladies are helping me and I, I believe that they're helping our listening audience to understand what grief is all about. Unexpectedly and sometimes when we expect it, but it's, it, 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 it's still the same. And um, it, just like I mentioned to you earlier, of 40 plus years and I'm still grieving, but I, I believe that uh, the insight that they have provided to me is going to help me tonight. And my great producer, Noah, Noah, are you following this? Uh, tell me something. Well, you know, I can semi-relate to this personally. I mean, it's a little different, but, you know, as I hear Deborah speak, I've been dealing with an undiagnosed uh, skin condition for the last four months. They don't know what it is. And being a skin cancer survivor, you know, obviously my thoughts tend to, at times, I try and always stay positive, but my thoughts tend to go to a place that they shouldn't go. My dermatologist is usually very positive that even though it's undiagnosed, that it's going to be okay in the end. But it's that uncertainty that I heard, you know, Deborah talk about that's always in the back of my mind. And JC, you're a big truster, truster in the Lord. I am as well. And so that's usually at the forefront for me. And being a single father, I obviously want the best to turn out, not just for myself, but for my kids. So my question to Deborah is, what was your greatest strength when your husband was alive that allowed you to, as a couple, to get through it, to try and be as positive as possible? His sense, uh, you know, our sense of humor. I, I think that um, I think that, that was the, you know, the, and, and, and then knowing that we'd done the right thing in terms of by our children and um, making sure knowing that if anything happened to either of us, that they would be taken care of, that they would still, you know, we could still provide for their education. But I would say just the relationship that, you know, I had with, with, with him, we, we laughed a lot. I mean, he, we, we just laughed a lot. And during the really tough times, Obviously, we cried a lot as well, but, you know, that sense of what we shared and what we built together really did sustain me. Laughter is key. Yeah, that was it. You know, that, that, that's, uh, you know, laughter is key. And, uh, and, and most of the time that, uh, I mean, and everything that I do, it's all about laughter and, uh, just like I always start my show, I always say, wow. If, everything is a wow moment with, with me. 
and even in grief and even in trying to understand how we continue to move forward and go forward you know we have to figure out what's going to sustain us and and, and Deborah I like what you said with you and your husband a laughter uh, that's what me and Michelle do all the time and mm-hmm. I'm the jokester she's serious uh, but <laughs> you know but I'm the jokester <laughs> but I got a question for both of you you know how did you keep or rediscover your joy your joy your joy after your losses let's start with you marion um i I don't like i mentioned earlier i don't think it gets any easier or less painful because they're gone but what i did find was i found myself um you know i use faith every single day and then you know i had so much you know, it's, it's interesting what I say to people is, you know, it wasn't my time. I, we could have been in a car and my husband could have been driving. But we were doing something that we both love to do together. And so that meant that I needed to be here. I have a big job. I have a daughter who's graduating who needed me. And so that was, I would say, um, not finding joy finding a reason to continue to go on to use faith to go on and to just keep living you can't stop living yeah Deborah yeah I, I absolutely agree with that and I don't think our you know our spouses would have wanted us to just stop living um, and I forgot your question. I'm sorry. <laughs> because her answer was so brilliant. How did we find our joy? Oh, uh, you know, it's so funny because it reminds me of a story. Shortly after Alan passed away, my daughter and I took a trip just away, just the two of us. And we started quoting all of the things that he would say. And they were just silly things. Um, and we and, then, and we started like all of a sudden they started coming to us. We were on a plane and we were just repeating these things, and we decided to make a book of quotations for his ceremony. The book we had a book of Allen quotes, like his famous quotes, and everyone at some point in t- time who'd known him had heard these things, and they were just the funniest. And you know, I printed them up, and I think people who attended the service still have them today. And once in a while, we'll just bring that out, and we'll just. It and we'll laugh. Um, but, I, but you know, that's something that was silly. And, you know, he was kind of silly. And, but, and, you know, we laughed about it once again. But at the same time, uh, you know, establishing uh, a fellowship in his name um, at Wharton was really important. And we, you know, we went out and we got people from his professional career and got them involved in that. And so it really does sustain his legacy in terms of things that he was interested in and, and, and that were, was important to him. Um, but, you know, those, those two things kind of come to mind right now. Mm-hmm. Ladies, um, how has faith played a role in your healing? Um, for me, it's, it's very important. So shortly, I want to say shortly after Reggie was, he died, I, um, I'm in a Bible study group. And so um, one of the verses, and I just have forgotten, and you know you read the Bible all the time, but it said, don't forget, marriage and children are a gift from God. And so once I realized mm-hmm. that Reggie was lent to me, right? He was lent to me from God. And so I had to be thankful for those 33 years, you know, 32 Mm -hmm. being married and one year of dating. But it was a gift from God, and so you can't be mad at God. And so my faith just got re-sustained because I knew that God had me, right? And and he gave me the greatest gift besides my daughter (laughs) that I'll ever have in having him as a husband. So to to counter that, I can say that I was quite angry with God and (laughs) it took, it has taken me a while. So, you know, so I started reading, so I read a book, I picked up a book because I was just, you know, so frustrated, so angry. It's like, well, why me? You go through those things. Um, But I picked up a book by Rabbi Harold Kushner and it was when bad things happen to good people. 
And I real I read that and I just I devoured it. It was so you know, it it brought me back to wanting to either go to church or faith or just believing because one of the things he says is that God is not the author of our misfortunes, but rather the source of help and strength. And at the and fundamentally, you know, there are a whole bunch of other things he says, but that was really for me. And I looked at, you know, help and strength, you know, my friends, uh, all my family, um, all of the support that, you know, the outpouring of support from places I never expected. Um, and, you know, one of the things that came out of that was when people invited me to things, I said, yes. I, that was my promise to myself and the help that I thought that I needed to have is that if someone invited me, if you could have been a person that I didn't even know very well, but if they invited me to do something that at least for the first time, I always said yes. And that was just, you know, the opening up of my heart, of my spirit to kind of come back to this relationship with faith and God. You know, uh, we are at the last couple of minutes, uh, minute and a half of the show, but Milo Angelo had a poem titled, When Great Trust Falls. A part of this poem says, and when great souls die after a period peace blooms, slowly, always, and regularly, spaces fill with a kind of soothing and vibration. Our senses restore never to be the same whisper to us. There's this. There's this. We can be. Be the better. For there's this. And we have to always honor those words. You know what? I want to thank both of you for taking the time to come on our show uh, and share uh, your thoughts and, and also enlighten others that there is life and that we can deal with grief. You know what? It's, it's been so wonderful. Thank you. Thank you so much. I would like to thank my great wife for being a co-host. I would like to thank uh, uh, my listening audience and I would also like to thank uh, uh, sponsors because we're always looking for sponsors to continue to bring this great message. Thanks for joining us for It's Your Life with James Cooley. To learn more about James, how you can support the show, or become a guest, visit CooleyFoundation.org. Join James weekdays at this same time for more motivation and inspiration to help you become equipped today for the challenges of tomorrow. This has been The James Cooley Show. It's your life, where you learn how to dream big, think big, and be big at everything that you do. It's Your Life is sponsored by James J.C. Cooley.